Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're Body. We've been a part of that too. But not anymore. At Body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a Pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Good news. Next hour, two rounds of the Moist Line. Uh, and uh, we're also going to talk about, after 4.30, how analysts are finding that uh, several large minority groups in this country are um, have, have new political alliances. They are changing rapidly who they're voting for uh we'll tell you all the details i'm sure it'll surprise you and people are not voting the way they used to uh it seems like the last bastion of progressivism is uh, wealthy white women but uh, many of the people in uh, minority demographics 
are moving away from it and uh, want no part of it. And it's a fascinating story written by a guy who spent his entire life analyzing this sort of thing. I'll talk about it coming up after 4.30. Today, all right, uh, perhaps you're like me and you get you know exhausted by certain topics and certain stories. You do a radio show every day. There are certainly stuff you just never want to hear again because after a while, everything has been said. People are hardened into their positions, and everyone runs to the base, their same battle station and says the same thing. And at the end of it all, nothing changes, nothing happens. And there's a reluctance even to say out loud, hey, we've had this conversation 50, 60, 100 times in a row, and we've come to the same dead end. So at the very least, stop it. Come up with a new angle or uh, something persuadable. Now everybody just shouts at each other, uh, bumper sticker type slogans, cliches, rantings on social media. But there's no serious effort to change anything. And uh, near the top of the list, maybe the top of the list, is uh, gun control and banning assault weapons. And what most people don't know, because most people don't know stuff, is that assault weapons were banned for 10 years in recent history. And then, it, then the ban expired. And when the ban expired... Nothing was done about it. Well, why was the ban? Why did the ban expire? In fact, who created the ban to begin with? How did this all work? All right. So here's the definitive story. And uh, this particular summary is from uh, the New York Times today. And, and you should remember as much as you can. And the next time it comes up in conversation, this makes uh, for a far more interesting conversation. Um, in 1994, the Democrats were in charge. They, they, had, they had the House, they had the Senate, they had the presidency. Bill Clinton time. And they were about to outlaw an entire class of firearms, semi-automatic assault rifles. Big crime bill they had. But to win over moderates, they had to make two concessions that at the time everybody thought was modest. One is they would exempt... 2,200 different models from the list of prohibited weapons. This is what they needed to do to compromise. But they were so desperate to do something, right? People say, let's do something. So part, in part to appease the more moderate uh, crowd in uh, Washington, 2,200 different models crossed off the list. They were going to stay legal. The second one required that the ban be renewed in 10 years. They passed it in 1994, and in 2004, they were going to revisit it, and everybody thought, well, you know, of course people will renew it in 2004. We have an agreement now. In 10 years, it'll just be, it'll be easy, right? Just a formality. Um, well, it expired, and nobody mounted a major effort to preserve it. And people now are looking back and saying, how the hell did this happen? <clears throat> Especially after the Buffalo shooting and the Uvalde school shooting. But according to Brian Malty, who's a top official with, uh, with an anti-gun group, uh, uh, he was with uh, the Brady campaign to prevent gun violence, they pushed to reauthorize the ban. And Malty said, you look around. And there's an incredible sense of urgency. But back in 2004, there was no enthusiasm to renew the ban among Democrats. None. 
By 2004, Columbine was in the rearview mirror, crime was going down, and everyone had kind of moved on. And back then, uh, you had George Bush was president, although he said he would sign the renewal, but he knew nobody was going to pass it. And they interviewed current and former legislators, AIDS activists and lobbyists at the New York Times, and... It says the Democrats were unwilling to invest real political capital. Uh, There was always popular support for the assault weapons ban, but they didn't want to go through the trouble because there was always political pressure from uh, the, the gun crowd. And Republicans and the gun lobby have turned assault weapons into a central tenet of their political identity. And so there has never been a serious effort to ban assault rifles now for 18 years. 18 years. I don't know how many gun debates, how many school shootings and workplace shootings and all the rest we've had. And you hear the same because this inflames people's emotions and it gets hits on the Internet and it gets ratings on television. So there's a whole industry, a whole business to shout about this stuff. But then you delve into, well, okay, well, so why don't the 535 legislators in Washington sit down and actually hammer out some kind of a bill? That's because neither side is particularly interested. And the country is split on this. I just saw a poll from Quinnipiac, uh, and it asked uh, about a ban on assault weapons, and 50% said yes, and 45% said no. Well, 50-45 is pretty close. That is not a clear mandate from the public. And uh, the no people are, are really loud and well-financed, well and that's the way the world works. Um, the Many weapons were exempted. It was never truly an outright ban. And semi-automatic rifles already in circulation were grandfathered into law. So millions of owners got to keep and use their guns. Now, the mass shootings from the 80s and 90s led to this temporary half ban. There was a school shooting in Stockton, California in 1989. Uh, In 91, 23 people were massacred at a cafeteria in Texas. In 93, a man walked into an office building in San Francisco and killed eight workers. Dianne Feinstein drafted the bill, and Joe Biden was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he guided the bill through the system. Have you heard anybody ask him why did he allow the expiration date into the bill? Because he's all gung-ho now. He's all angry and horrified and shouting and waving his fist in the air. This guy was the last stop in the Senate, and he allowed the uh, expiration date. Why doesn't anyone ever talk about this? Uh, They banned AR-15s, Uzis, AK-47s, among others. And um, at the time, the expiration date was among the bill's least controversial parts. In fact, in all the interviews the New York Times did, they couldn't find anybody who remembered when it was inserted. And everybody thought the renewal would not be a major problem. And by 2004... They, Democrats, mostly believed that the assault weapons ban was directly tied to the Republican takeover of Congress. 
1994, a few weeks after it passed, and even contributed to Al Gore's loss in 2000. So they decided we're not going to touch this again, and they haven't. Now, they shout a lot because it's really good to raise money with. And you have to understand that when you hear your, your side's politicians shouting about something that never changes, it's because people donate money when you do that. And that's what really they want. But I've been telling people about this uh, for several weeks now. Nothing significant will be done. Maybe a little tinkering on the edges. John and Ken show KFI. What happens when all the minority groups that the Democrats have counted on for all these years stop voting for them? Well, that's what's starting to happen, and that's one of the secret stories behind the recall of Chesa Bodine. Groups unexpectedly uh, have turned on this Democrat philosophy of uh, police uh, defunding the police, no bail, uh, no arrests, no incarceration, just let them run free, steal what you want, assault whoever you want, no penalties. Not flying with a lot of minority groups because they're the ones who take the brunt of it. They're often the victims. It just seems to be wealthy uh, white women who are the most uh, ardently progressive. But they don't have any. They don't have anything to lose. They have not because they live, you know, up on the hill, away from all the mayhem. Talk about that coming up because a uh, a pretty uh, shocking uh, piece written by a guy very well known in analyzing these trends. Over, over several decades. I'll talk about that after 4.30. All right, so we were discussing how um, the last assault weapons ban in the U.S. Uh, expired in 2004, and nobody did anything about it, and nobody has tried seriously since. And that's the dirty secret of Washington politics. Uh, no, The Republicans uh, get a lot of votes and money, but uh, the Democrats are afraid they'd really get blown out of office if they uh, actually... Uh, voted for any kind of serious gun control. Because that's what happened in 1994, they feel, and they were never going to let it happen again. So they talk a lot, and they raise money off it. But they haven't done it even when they had full control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Um, here's this story. Uvalde, the police chief, Pete Arredondo, the guy who stood there with all the officers, and never went in to save the dying children. According uh, to this news report, Pete Arredondo said he intentionally left his two police radios behind when he ran into the building, making it difficult for him to be in contact with most of the other officers on the scene. He gave a phone interview with the Texas Tribune. Maybe we can get a, an audio of this. Because we just got uh, the news story. He left two radios outside the school because he thought they would have slowed him down. And every second mattered. Except, remember, he ran into the school and then didn't breach the classroom. And nobody was could tell him that a girl was calling from inside the classroom saying, hey, there's eight or nine people still alive here. But he didn't know that because he didn't have his radio. So it slowed him. He didn't want to be slowed down getting into the building. But then when he got into the building, he stopped dead. Didn't enter the classroom. He told the uh, Texas Tribune one radio had a clip 
that may have fallen off his tactical belt, while another had an antenna that would have hit into him as he ran. I guess he found that annoying. I guess the antenna couldn't be retracted. Um, but the radios would have connected him to the campus and police networks. So he runs inside the school, and he's got no way to talk to the outside world. So when the kids on the other side of the door are calling 911, and one girl repeatedly called for a half an hour, he's that close to that girl. The girl's trying to communicate, in effect, to him by calling 911, and then they were supposed to pass the message over the radio Back to Arredondo. I don't know why somebody didn't run in with the message. Uh, he also, Arredondo said, wanted both hands free to hold his gun so he could fire it more accurately. What the hell? If you're the commander and you're supposed to be giving the orders, you've got to have the radio to get the information to give the orders. You don't have to be the one firing the gun. I mean, there ended up being 140 officers that showed up at the scene representing many different law enforcement groups. They didn't need him necessarily to do the shooting. Arredondo said, based on prior experience, the radios didn't work well in some of the school buildings. And then he would have turned them off in the hallways to avoid being detected by the gunman. Well, I think the gunman knew there were a lot of police there. He was barricaded in the room. For an hour and 15 minutes, he might have gotten the idea. I, so he couldn't get any real-time information on his radio. Um, and he was the incident commander because of a fluke. Because the Uvalde, the Uvalde school district had its own police force. It's only six guys. But that meant that Arredondo, as head of that police unit, had jurisdiction, primary jurisdiction over the shooting. Even though there were other much larger, more experienced, smarter law enforcement units standing outside in the hallway or standing outside wrestling with the parents. Um, Arredondo now is claiming he wasn't the incident commander. Well, the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety, uh, Steve McCraw, said he was. Arredondo said, no, he wasn't. Um, they looked at the National Incident Management System, which is the guidebook for all levels of government. And according to that guidebook, he would have been the commander. He was the first person on the scene. He said he didn't give any orders. He used his phone to call for backup. Uh, and he assumed that another officer or official had taken over as the coordinator. So he was standing there doing nothing, thinking someone else was in charge, even though the protocol would indicate he was in charge. So this guy just didn't know what he was doing and, and didn't take any, any useful action. I mean, it really seems like he was just a blockhead. Aradonda said he didn't know the children and teachers in the classroom were calling 911 because of the lack of the radio. So he just stood there wasting time and not telling anybody to do anything useful. There were five different agencies there, and he just stood there. But then he claimed that not a single responding officer ever hesitated even for a moment to put themselves at risk to save the children. 
Well, that, what did I tell you before? How everybody now just lies in public and denies reality? Yeah, ultimately there were 140 officers. And for an hour and 15 minutes, nobody went in there. But he says, no, there was not one officer that hesitated even for a moment. What do you do? You, everyone seems to be incapable of uh, accepting reality and acknowledging reality, or they just lie right to, right to the grave. Seems to be the strategy now. John and Ken KFI, if you were uh, inside uh, politics, uh, Roy Teixeira would be one of the guys... Uh, let's say you're running, you're running for office. You're, you're, you're with a high up at a political party. Roy Teixeira is a guy that uh, you want to read. You want to talk to. He's a political analyst consultant and he tracks what the different demographics vote for and why, because, you know, we all fall into stereotype groups, right? And that's how politicians look at us. All right. We're all in some category an age group, uh, a, a gender group, an ethnic group, um, a race group, uh, you know, a sexual orientation group, and there are major voting tendencies. And they try to identify them. And when they send out a message, they aren't sending out a message to you. They're sending out a message to you, what they think your stereotype is. Uh, and much of the time, they're right. So he wrote a story uh, uh, in a... Uh, the. Uh, the site is called the liberalpatriot.substack.com if you want to read the whole thing. The Liberal Patriot. It's actually quite fascinating. And it's a story about Chesa Boudin getting recalled in San Francisco and how could this possibly happen. And he explained why. And you really should have been able to see this coming. But uh, he says when voters in San Francisco, and he emphasizes San Francisco with an exclamation point, when they throw a progressive Democrat out of office for failing to provide public safety, you know that Democrats have an urgent need to assure voters that they are, in fact, determined to crack down on crime and to disassociate the party from approaches that fail. Now, background on Roy Teixeira, he's uh, has written as a Democratic analyst for many years. He wrote a famous book with a co-author back in 2002 that predicted the Democrats were going to have a good long run of power because of all the immigrants that had come to the country, especially the Hispanic immigrants who were probably going to vote Democratic for a very long time as they got older and ascended up the economic ladder. That turned out not to be true, especially in recent years, and he has since written about how wrong he was. But the Democrats took his particular prediction, his book, as gospel, as gold. And now he's looking at all the changes that have snuck up on the world. And um, he said that the defund the police movement really allowed the Democrats to blow an opportunity. And um, now San Francisco and Chesa Bodine have become the poster child the Democrats' reputation is they don't take crimes, especially lesser crimes, that degrade the quality of life seriously. So he got, so Boudin gets kicked out 60 to 40. And as someone wrote today, can you imagine getting kicked out? Can you imagine representing a minority slice of people in San Francisco? In other words, you're so far left. You can't—you lose badly in San Francisco? 
Well, that's what happened. But he says, and I'm talking about Roy Teixeira, said there's a lot of non-white votes that voted to recall Bodine. According to one analysis, 40% of the votes to recall came from majority white areas. 60% came from majority non-white areas. And it seems clear that Asian voter support for the recall was particularly strong. The Asian voters did not like what San Francisco was becoming. And, and Asian voters are one-third of the electorate. In some districts, 50%. And wherever they're from, whether it's China or India, Japan, Korea, they are not putting up with this. They don't consider themselves this kind of progressive. The most enthusiastic supporters tend to be white, college-educated liberals. And I've seen other studies that said especially women. They're driving this left-wing progressive train in the cities. And the minority voters are getting off the train fast. That's why Eric Adams won in New York as the mayor. Because Adams put public safety front and center in his political appeals. You see Rick Caruso doing that as well in L.A. And that's why he won the first round of voting. Um, and in fact, in New York, Adams' support uh, was very strong among working class and non-whites. And this is true all over the country. In Detroit, which is heavily black, they found 90 to 10 black voters, Detroit residents, would feel safer with more cops on the street. More cops, not fewer. 90 to 10 in Detroit. I have never seen a political movement that so badly misjudged its audience than defund the police claiming that minority voters wanted the police not only out of the neighborhood, but completely removed from the city. That was the worst idea in the history of modern politics. Um, and these, in these non-white and working-class districts normally are Democratic. But according to Teixeira, these voters live in areas that have more crime, and therefore they're unlikely to look kindly on any approach that threatens public safety. A recent Pew poll found that black and Hispanic Democrats are significantly more likely than white Democrats to favor more police funding in their area. Well, isn't that the opposite of all the lies and propaganda that we were fed by media and political leaders and activists who claimed they were representing the views of black and Hispanic Voters in these neighborhoods, they didn't know? Did they lie? Or did they get swept up in a hysteria that was getting them attention and making them money? Maybe all those things. Um, it said if you, if, you, if you really examine the numbers starting in 2020, you could see Asian support dwindling for Democrats. The Asian vote for Democratic Congressional candidates weakened, particularly in California. Uh, in New York City, the fast-growing Asian population in Queens swung strongly towards Donald Trump. Precincts in New York City where at least 50% of residents are Asian swung, swung 12 points towards Trump. 
The second largest shift among racial enclaves in Queens. Precincts where at least 75% of the residents are Asian had a pro-Trump swing of 16 points, with over a third of the voters now backing Trump. And uh, Biden last year lost support twice as fast among Asian voters as among whites. Virginia's heavily Asian, uh, uh, they have they have a category called other race in Virginia in their analysis, and it's heavily Asian. Uh, Biden's advantage went from 19 points to six points for the Democrat running for governor. Um, and all these results track perfectly with what happened in San Francisco. Uh, they also... We're angry with the school board in San Francisco. Asian voters were behind that recall because they did not like the idea that rigorous entrance tests for the uh, Lowell School, which was the, the, for elite academic students, uh, they were getting rid of the entrance tests and among other things. Uh, and and uh, the Asian voters just hated that stuff. And Roy Teixeira is telling Democrats, got to stop what you're doing. You're losing Asians. You're losing Hispanics. You're even losing a lot of. Uh, I saw this in the in the Caruso analysis too. Surprising share of young uh, of black men and Hispanic men went for Caruso. Things are changing in front of us. Do not go by the old stereotypes. More coming up. John and Ken show KFI. You know who we're going to have on in the top of the five o'clock hour? Uh, Tracy Park. Uh, she ran uh, to about a dead heat. In Mike Bonin's district, and uh, she's who I voted for. I voted for Tracy Park, and she's going to the runoff against Bonin's handpicked successor, and they virtually tied in the first round. So we'll uh, talk to her. Coming up, uh, Moist Line, two rounds of it next hour as well. KFI AM 640, Tracy Park is coming on the show after 11 o'clock. She's running for council in my district to replace the evil, destructive, horrible Mike Bonin. And she ran against uh, a bunch of people. One of them was Bonin's handpicked successor. And they finished pretty much in a dead heat, about 100 votes apart. And they're both going to make the runoff for September. And we're going to talk to uh, Tracy Park coming up after uh, 5 o'clock. Um, I, I don't know if you watched that uh, those hearings last night about the January 6th. Insurrection, which is, is another one of those stories that I have just burned out on. Because I, we all know what happened, and as I guess they had a very dramatic presentation about it, but I was just reading the newspaper accounts, and it seemed like, all right, I know that, I know that, I know that. And presumably they've arrested a lot of the people who they can charge with a crime, and those people will go to jail, and... We knew Trump was uh, did not want to stop the riots and did not want to tell people. That's already been out there for a year and a half. Um, I guess the only new thing was that uh, Trump turned on his own daughter, Ivanka. Um, you know, she was a high-level advisor. And um, they ran a video of Ivanka at the hearings yesterday. She was asked what she thought of the attorney general at the time, Bill Barr. Bill Barr had said unequivocally that the election was not stolen and that the whole thing was BS. Although he said the full word. And Ivanka Trump said, 
It affected my perspective. I respected Attorney General Barr, so I accepted what he said. Um, so Trump's response was that um, she was just uh, she was not involved in looking at or studying election results. She had long checked out and was, in my opinion, only trying to be respectful to Bill Barr and his position as attorney general. He sucked. This is Trump's response, dissing his own daughter, saying she didn't know what was going on anyway. She had checked out and Barr sucked. You know, I am hoping that there's somebody else that's going to run um, against Biden or Harris or whoever who has some of the Trump policies, but enough about the 2020 election on both sides. I've had it with this stupid, the election was stolen nonsense. I've had it with the endless regurgitation about the insurrection. It's like we've got huge issues happening right now, right this minute. I mean, I could go through the inflation list if you haven't heard it. We've been repeating it several times throughout the show, just how high the inflation is. That's really all I want to hear about right now. There's a lot of people who just want a, a, a way to stop the uh, the school shootings. Um, I, you know, there's 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 a huge war going on, which is impacting us here with the prices. Uh, if I heard 20 million people watch the television coverage last night, which probably is a decent night for the average uh, network TV show in total. But it's 20 million at 330 million people. So 93% of the country wasn't watching. I imagine it's mostly older people who are usually addicted to cable news. So this is their uh, their kind of drama. Um uh, which is fine if that's what they want to watch. But in terms of what it's going to prove, it's not, I don't think it's changing anybody's mind. You know, if you think, if you think the election's stolen, it was stolen. And if you think that Trump engineered the insurrection, then that's what you think. And the, true is, the opposite is true because, again, we've digested this for a year and a half. And everybody who's been arrested should have been, should have been tried and jailed or will be tried and jailed. And ultimately, crimes are committed. And then you have to uh, find the bad guys, find the perpetrators, and then put them away. But this this constant fixation, and Trump has got a real, I mean, this is a real mental problem that he does not accept that he lost. And uh, to even even be uh, insulting his daughter, I mean, uh, you know, you you got you got to gear up to run and win. And maybe it would be better to have somebody else run uh, on on similar policies. Because a lot of the policies he had was successful, but this this stuff is is gonna is gonna be a disaster. I uh, and, but well, you know, I can't control the world. I can't tell people what to do. Here's the stuff that matters. If you haven't heard, the uh, inflation rate was eight point six percent, but most of the stuff that matters in your life was up by way more than that. Eggs in the last year is up 32%. Chicken is up 17 Whole milk, 16 Lunch meat, 16 Bacon, 15 Coffee, 15 And all the foods up double digits. Flour, fish, beef, rice, cereal, peanut butter, even lettuce up 11%. Uh, energy is up 
a huge number. Uh, the 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 oil, the price of oil is up 106 percent. Um, gas, oil, uh, diesel, uh, electricity, everything is up huge, and um, that's the main thing people are going to be voting on. And that's what should be examined all day and night. I don't think there's anything anybody can do about it, apparently, because you think for their own survival they would do something. But I think they created such a huge mess, you can't dig out from under it. And maybe if they jack up the interest rates tremendously, that'll throw the economy into a deep recession. People will buy less. Prices will come down. That's what they did in 1982 with Reagan and the... uh, and the chairman of the Federal Reserve at the time, Paul Volcker, they just massively raised interest rates. Interest rates were over 20%. In fact, I heard an analyst say today, you got to get the interest rates higher than the rate of inflation, and then maybe something will happen. Well, right now, the interest rates are still very low. You may have to get them up to 10% or more. All right, coming up, Tracy Park, uh, she ran to replace Mike Bonin in the uh, 11th Council District on the west side of L.A., my district. We've talked about Bonin and his disaster, uh, his disastrous policies for five years. Well, Tracy's in a dead heat with Bonin's handpicked successor. We'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, Deborah Mark has the news, KFI AM 640. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency, where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch, so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.